To the teaching of today um, and uh, for those of you that have been joining tribe for some time you know we've been studying the book of the Acts of the apostles and uh, today we continue uh, we're moving to chapter 16 and we'll be running from chapter 16 verses 1 to 15 so this is the 31st edition I have no clue when we're going to finish but one day we will finish amen Praise God. Acts, Acts, Acts chapter 16, verse 1 to 15. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 15, 16, verse 1 to 15. I will read, and uh, I ask that you please just uh, flow along with me as I read it. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Version. Now, Paul traveled to Derby and also to Lystra. A disciple named Timothy was there the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer in Christ. However, his father was a Greek. Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him as a missionary, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. Since they all knew that his father was a Greek, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decrees decided on by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for the churches to observe. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they continually increased in number day after day. Now they passed through the territory of Phrygia and Galatia after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in the west coast province of Asia, of Asia Minor. And after they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from the Roman province of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we, including Luke, tried to go into Macedonia at once. According, we, including Luke, tried to go into Macedonia at once, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Traus, we ran a direct course to Samothrace, and the next day went on to Neopolis, and from there we came to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We stayed on in this city for several days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gates to the bank of the Gangites River, where we thought there would be a place of prayer, and we sat down and began speaking to the woman who had come there. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple fabrics, who was already a worshiper of God, listened to us, and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention and to respond to the things said by Paul. And when she was baptized along with her household, she pleaded with us saying, if you have judged me and decided that I am faithful to the Lord, a true believer, come to my house and stay. And she persuaded us. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word in the name of Jesus. So, you know, as I was trying to study uh, this portion, the very first thing that just jumped at me that I asked myself was that, ah, this Paul again, why is it just, is it that he just enjoys traveling? Or how come is today is Paul travels, Paul this, Paul that, Paul this, you know? He was just passionate and he was enthusiastic about the gospel, you know? And he, 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 not only is he just passionate, he, he, he's, he became like restless 
restless. And I started thinking about it. So, so restless people, what is it about them? What is it about them that makes them restless? You know? And I discovered that it is a passion that always drives them. So you see someone, for example, who, who cannot be in the house without finding something to do. It's because they are, if you look at what they are actually doing, it's because they are probably passionate about organizing things. So when they sit down, they, they, they just don't, they don't find it comfortable that things are how it is. They are always like trying to rework it, rejig re it, re-engineer it, you know? It's the passion inside of them that makes them behave like that. Different things can uh, cause passion in us. For Paul, the thing that was driving his passion, that was making him appear like he had itchy feet, was his love for God. Because what I also discovered about passionate people is that that thing that makes them passion, passionate, it's usually because that thing has already changed them. It has affected them and they enjoy the positive feeling that they get from it. They enjoy the positive vibes that they get from it. So if you see someone, like the example I gave now, who is passionate about an whatever he, he, he or she is, to just be organized. The person has seen over time that maybe when they step into a place that is organized, they get some unexplainable calm in their system, in their, in their spirit. They get some unexplainable peace around them. Or at times, they may even get some, some form of reward for being in such an organized thing. So unconsciously, it begins to drive their passion. It begins to drive their passion. People, different people have different things that drive them. Some people are passionate about sports. When you hear anybody want to have a discussion around sports, that's when their bones, like they say, their bones will become hard. Their bones will become strong. The discussion becomes heated. Some people are passionate about politics. Because over time, maybe they've realized that when things go the way they want, they have some form of joy. So again, using the example of someone that loves, that is passionate about sports. Let's say football. Let's say he's a Manchester United fan. Is there anything passionate about Manchester United right now? Okay, let me use another club. Not passion, not, let's say Arsenal. Uh -huh. I'm okay, I can use Arsenal. At least they are winning this period. I'm not an Arsenal fan, though, so. But let me use them as an example. So someone that's, is passionate, let's say, for example, about Arsenal, over time, he has discovered, or he, she has discovered, that any time that Arsenal plays good football, he feels good inside. He can sleep well at night and have a peaceful rest. He will even dream that they are carrying the Champions League. That's taking it to the extreme. But it's a dream. It can happen. Praise God. So, the, 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 the good feeling they get from it is what drives them and makes them restless anytime a discussion about Arsenal comes on board. So likewise, Paul was passionate. He was restless. He couldn't see himself. He was in a big church in Antioch. That's where he was settled for a while. Ideally, you would have thought, oh, he's comfortable. He had people walking around him. He had people serving him. He, 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 he should just find his comfort zone and stay there and be stable. But not Paul. Because he was passionate about changed lives. Because he was passionate about seeing people hear the word, see the fire that is ignited in those people's eyes. It must have over time been giving him some form of joy that he became restless. He could not just sit and he kept on traveling and traveling. And that passion is something that if you have it, when you see someone else that has it, you identify with such people. If you are a, a, a lover of football, when you see someone that likes football, you know, a, a lot of times, ladies will say, okay, guys, you know it's very easy for two strange guys that don't know each other to meet and they can talk for one hour without knowing each other's names. They'll just be going, my guy, my guy, my guy, my guy. 
and they are talking and they are, you see them talking, you will think they've known each other forever. Why? Because they share the same passion. They share the same passion. So passion is something that you can see in another person and you can connect to. Praise God. So we move to verse 3 of, I mean, verse 3, so, uh, verse, okay, I'll start from verse 1. It says, now Paul traveled to Debe and also to Lystra. A disciple named Timothy was there, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer in Christ. However, his father was a Greek. Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers and sisters who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him as a missionary. So Paul was here ready to travel. I'd seen someone that was also passionate like him and connected to him immediately and was now willing to take him along on the missionary, on the missionary journey. So question now is, why... What, what, what is your own passion? What drives you? What is it that keeps you awake? That, that anytime you, the discussion comes up, you, you, you jump out of the bed and you're like, okay, let's go there. What is your passion? And how are you showcasing it? Timothy showcased the zone that people were talking about him for Paul. The scripture says here that they, 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 they spoke well. Timothy was well spoken of by the brothers and the sisters who are in Lystra and Iconium. So what is your own passion? What is your own passion? Because in your passion, you will find your freedom. In your passion, you will find your peace. In your passion, you will find your way. You know, there was a lady I knew once, you know, she was in a very strange business. I say strange because even, I'll, I'll mention it now for you, you will well, maybe not for the ladies, but for us guys, you will discover it's a strange business. You know what our business is? She goes to people's houses to help them to arrange their wardrobe. I'm not saying to build wardrobes, though. So maybe you are someone like me that cannot keep your clothes in order. She goes to houses like that and says, I'll step into your wardrobe and I'll help you to arrange all your clothes. Your shoes in the place, your trousers in the place, your native in this one. That, that's all she does for a living. It's, 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 it's bordered off from her passion and she is running a business doing that right now. I know someone else online, a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine. All she does now is to help people to arrange their pantry where they store their food in their house. You know those small rooms where you have in the, where, um, in the kitchen where you keep store, uh, stuff? That's all she does. She comes there, she calls herself a, a pantry consultant. And it's because she, of what she discovered as a passion. When you find your passion, you will find your way. When you find that thing that just keeps you bubbling, keeps you going on, people will see it. People will connect to it, and it can be very rewarding. Amen? Now, second thing we pick from here, um, the scripture talks about this Timothy. It says this Timothy, his father was Greek, and his mother was Jew. And I'm asking myself, why was the lineage of Timothy mentioned in this matter? What has the, the fact that his father was Greek, his mother is Jew, what, what has that got to do with the fact that he's about to set out on, on a mission? And again, the, 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 Paul, he says here, Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. Again, we're talking about this circumcision. We talked about it last week. And why is it important? Paul had to, as in, go as far as circumcising Timothy, a full-grown adult, for him to be accepted for the work. And I'm asking myself today, in today's world, why is such things around um, lineage, your ethnic group or your ethnicity, why is it so important? I want to I ask a... I want to throw... A random question to if you okay, if you've been in church for more than one year, if you've been attending God's favorite house for more than one year, one year, could you raise up your hand? For more than one year, could you raise up your hand? Okay, good. All right. 
Um, Ayo. Guys in the, and the, the instrumentalist, instrumentalist, please, please, could you please st just um, stand up out here? Just on, on the, uh, where, where, just come and stand. Don't play, you're not playing. Where are the others? They went outside. Tega, please join them very quickly. Ayo. Tega. Which of these people bless you the most every Sunday? Ooh. Tega. Okay, Tega blesses you the most every Sunday. Where's she from? Eh? You don't know. But she blesses you. And you don't care, right? Eh? It's not like you don't care, but you don't know. But do you care about where she's from? Is it your problem? It's not your problem. That's exactly the point I'm trying to make. So, in today's world, why is it that when we want to engage people, thank you very much, you guys, God bless you. Why is it that when we want to engage people, we get to the point of asking about where are you from? I mean, unfortunately, we are in a political dispensation right now where February 2023 is just around the corner. It's not news. We can talk about it. There are three main candidates right now. You know them. But discussions in the run-up to the campaign, before the campaign starts, discussions right now is heavily tilted in ethnic directions. And I'm wondering why. Classic example we just cited now. Every Sunday, Ayo comes to church. She gets blessed. She gets ministered to. Even today, I'm sure you've all been ministered to by all of them because they're amazing instrumentalists, all of them. Even today, you, you've all been ministered to. But you really don't care where they're from. But when it comes to making a real decision about, let's say, leadership, or let's say, societal, let's say, a job appointment, then we begin to ask, where are you from? Why, why should that be? We need to begin to change our mindsets from such discussions, because it's not leading us anywhere. It's a popular saying everywhere out there now that if you want to enter into a transport, a, a, a public transport, for example, do you first of all go and look at the driver and say, okay, because I am Yoruba, the driver has to be Yoruba before you get into the public transport. You just need someone that's going to take you to the destination safe and on time. And that's all it's important. So we need to also begin to change our mentality away from seeing everything through, through the ethnic lens. Through the ethnic lens. Because God will use whoever he wants to use, whenever he wants to use, however he wants to use. And that's the classic example of what happened to Timothy there. God was going to use him, and was going to use him anyhow. Whether it was Greek or it was Jew, it wasn't important to God. Verse 4, it says, as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decrees decided on by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for the churches to observe. Hmm. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they continually increased the number day after day. Now, what do I pick from this? It's very interesting because, yes, the apostle Paul was going around uh, ministering you know, spreading the word about Jesus, building churches, building communities for Christ. But as they were going, there was a need for them to also begin to start talking about establishing a culture. You know? So, it's very important we hear what you said there. He said, as they travel from town to town, they deliver the decrees decided on by the apostles, not... These were decisions made by humans. So if you had seen any leader in church back then that was wearing a robe to minister to them in the church, the early church, 
It wasn't his church. It wasn't his choice, rather. It was what the, the church at that time decided. And I want to believe that this is probably where, if you look at a lot of um, very old churches, where they got their doctrines from. Where, for example, the, 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 you see... Anglican churches, uh, Anglican uh, leaders, for example, the way they dress or the way the Pope dresses or the way, um, um, you know, religious dressings. This is just an example of what came out of the, the apostles, what they decided. He said they decided, the, the decrees decided on by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem because they needed to set up structures to guide operations of the churches. You can't run a system without having structures in place because it's the structure that will keep the system running when you are not there. Otherwise, everybody will run with their own idea. Everybody will run with their own idea. It is the structure that determines how the church leadership is, is set up. It is the structures or the decrees that they worked on that determines the, what, the, what would they would refer to as the doctrines of the church, the type of message that they preach in the church, the culture, it is, this, the, it is the, 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 the things that they decide that will determine the culture that they pass out. And that's why we encourage people in God's Spirit House, if you want to become, a, I mean, when you become a, a, a member of God's Spirit House, we expect that you go through the journey. You go through the journey because when you go through the journey, you will understand why God's Red House is God's Red House. You will understand how things are run here. You will understand why we do things the way we do things. The journey is highly recommended for everybody. It was important for the apostles as they were setting up the churches to put things in order. And this eventually will be, will be what, part of what will translate to what we call the doctrines. Praise the Lord. Verse 6 to 10. Verse 6 to 10. It says, Now they passed through the territory of Phrygia and Galatia after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in the west coast of Asia Minor. And after they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. This is very interesting. Question I have that I'm asking myself is that, why then is it that Jesus says, go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? These people now came out and said, okay, we are going. And the same Holy Spirit is forbidding them. I mean, those are even very strong words. It says, and after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word. That's, that's heavy. And again, it went further. He said, okay, they left that place. The Holy Spirit said, don't speak the word. Then they left that place. Then they went further to another place called Britannia. And it says there that the, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. That's deep. That's deep. And I'm asking, why would that be? I'll, I'll conclude there up to verse 10. He says, so passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas. Then a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from the Roman, Roman province of Macedonia was standing and pleading with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we, including Luke, tried to go into Macedonia at once, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The Holy Spirit forbade them to speak the word in, 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 in Asia. The Spirit of Jesus did not permit them in, in Bithynia. Why would the Holy Spirit not allow the gospel to be preached? My answer is that we don't ever, we don't ever see the full picture. We don't know the full picture. Praise God. 1 Samuel 24, the story of David and Saul. If you get home, go and read it. 1 Samuel 24, then flip to uh, 26 and 27. 1 Samuel 24, 26 and 27. It talks about the story of David. He had been anointed to be king. Saul was now being tormented by the evil spirits. 
and was looking for David to kill David. We know the story of how Saul was inside uh, one cave somewhere. And uh, a lot of us, the story we hear is that he was sleeping, right? And while he was sleeping, David moved close. And someone said, yeah, kill him. I said, no, ah, I can't kill him. Then he cut off his robe and he left, right? Praise God. You know, a lot of times we read, we hear some of these stories. You know that story, right? Everybody knows that story, right? That, okay, Saul was sleeping in the cave. Then David came, cut off his robe, some of his robe. Then when David, uh, Paul, uh, Saul had left, now showed him. Say, if I wanted to kill you, I would have killed you. See your uh, uh, robe in my hand. We, the story I'm used to, maybe because I'm not reading my Bible well enough, is that Paul was sleep, Saul was sleeping. 1 Samuel 24, Saul was not sleeping. The story says that Saul was actually in there to relieve himself. He went to the toilet. 1 Samuel 24, if you can bring it on the screen, I'll appreciate that. 1 Samuel 24... Verse 4. Because I've always wondered, I've always asked myself, that how can someone sleep so bad that someone will cut off your clothes and you won't know? Now I understand. Because what happened, is it on the screen? Thank you. 1 Samuel 24. We'll read from verse 3. Yes, let's read from verse, let me read it from verse 3. It says, on the way, on the way he came to the sheepfolds where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. So technically what it means is that as the king, you know he's a king, so he goes in with a big royal regalia, even if he's going to war. Because as a king, you may not necessarily carry sword when you go to war. You are only there in terms of presence to encourage your army. So he was there with his royal regalia. And if you know how they used to dress those days, it's very difficult for you to do major with those clothes on. So he probably went into the cave. The Bible says that the soldiers were outside. He took off all his clothes, hanged it somewhere, and was focusing on the major matter. Which was number two? You get it? So he took off all the clothes and David did all the work. But the point, where I'm actually bringing out of all of this story is the fact that there are some instances where you think that what has happened is actually the will of God and you want to follow through on this thing that you perceive as the will of God. Because the, the disciples of David, when they saw, I'll read very quickly. It says, on the way he came to the, he, he the sheepfolds, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the cave's innermost recesses. David's men said to him, behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, they even used the scenario to quote a scripture for him. He says, Behold, I will hand over your enemy to you, and you shall do to him as seems good to you. They even used, like, they quoted, like, a scripture to him. Say, Ah, this is the day the Lord has made. It is time for you to kill your enemy. So it appeared like this was the right thing to do. At that time, but David was wise because David said, he, he thought about what they just said. He says, God will hand over his enemy, your, the enemy to me, and I will do as it pleases to, to, as it seems right to me. Everything in that, uh, in that statement was all about high, 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 gratifying yourself. And David said, No, 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 I'm not going to fall for this. And he decided not. To kill Saul. The same reason is why the Holy Spirit was saying, okay, you are in this place. These people need salvation. But no, it's not your job. I have a bigger plan. And no, it's not for you to preach to these ones. I have a bigger plan. 
And that bigger plan is what was manifested in verse verse, uh, 11 to 13. It says, now they passed through the territory of Phrygia and Galatia after being forbidden. Sorry? Oh, okay, sorry. We, we, we are actually moving beyond this now. Yeah, it says, yeah, verse 11 to 13. It says, now they passed through the territory of Phrygia and Galatia after being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in the west coast of Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Then a vision appeared to Paul in the midnight. A man from the Roman province of Macedonia was standing and pleading with them, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So the bigger picture God is showing to them was that there is a bigger fish in Macedonia. Leave Bithynia. Leave Asia Minor. There's a bigger fish to go and capture. And when he had seen the vision, they concluded and tried to go to Macedonia at once, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we ran a direct course to Samothrace, and the next day went on to Neapolis. And from there, we came to Philippi, which is a leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We stayed on in this city for several days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the bank of the Gangites River, where we thought there would be a place of prayer. So they were going ahead again, because now they have said, okay, we, the things we wanted to do, God has said, don't do it yet. Now a revelation has come. Go to Macedonia. And they started going there. And they got there. They thought they would meet a church. Because that's what it says here. Where we thought there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had come there. So God God had a different agenda for them. And the agenda is actually manifested in verse 14 and 15. Because it goes on, it says, A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a dealer in purple fabrics who was already a worshiper of God, listened to us and the Lord opened our hearts to pay attention and to respond to the things said by Paul. And when she was baptized along with her household, she pleaded with us saying, if you have judged me and decided that I am faithful to the Lord, a true believer, come to my house and stay. And she persuaded us. And if, if, if you... If you are reading a Bible that is grouped into paragraphs and the likes, you will see at the title of this verse 14 and 15, it says the first convert in Europe. So this woman called Lydia, a dealer in purple fabrics, who was already a worshiper of God, became the first convert in Europe, in the whole of Europe. She's the first one that will be declared as a Christian in the whole of Europe. Why was it important for Paul and the rest to leave all those other smaller cities and proceed until they got to Tiatira to meet this woman. Scripture says here is that this woman deals in purple fabrics. If you know anything about the ancient times, purple represents royalty. The color purple represents royalty. Common men don't wear purple. Purple is usually worn by kings and princes. So if someone like this woman is dealing in purple fabrics, you must have an idea of the kind of clients that she has. She doesn't sell stuff to the common man. She sells to royalty, her customers, a people of high class. So when God was saying, don't waste time now preaching in Britannia. Don't waste time now preaching in Asia Minor. It's because God is saying, I have someone, that, that singular person, if you can convince that person to become a Christian, she can influence territory. She can influence big shots for me. And that's what they did. Because I was trying to Google today. I was trying to Google this city called Tia, Tiatira, where this lady is. In today's name, in today's world, today's um, nomenclature, there's no place again called Teatera. This place was now renamed. This entire, it's now like a region in, in Turkey. This entire region 
is now named after this woman and called Lydian territory today. So just imagine, God, when God was saying, the Holy Spirit was telling them, don't preach here, don't talk to them here. God had a bigger plan, saying, come and talk to this big fish that can make an entire nation. If you know anything about Christian history also, you will know that Turkey was more like the, the, the base of the church, the early church. Tarsus, they say Saul of Tarsus. Tarsus is actually like in, 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 in Turkey. This woman's city back then is today called Lydian, named after her. That's how much influence she had. Bible calls her as the first convert in Europe. The first convert in Europe, in the entire Europe. So even though today uh, the, the Pope sits in Italy, the Anglican bishop sits in London, in the UK, and they represent big factions of Christianity, the real person that started the grassroots work was this woman, not even Paul, in, in, in those territories. And that's amazing. The key thing I want us to pick out of this is that everything that we want to do, whatever we want to do, no matter how much at times that it makes sense to just execute, try and wait on God and let God give you the grow ahead. Because when he does, you get far better results. You get far better mileage when you are sure that what you are doing is what God wants you to do. And that ends my teaching for this evening. Praise the Lord. If you have any question, please feel free to, I mean, pass the questions to any of the ushers. I should have told you earlier, but uh, I forgot, sorry. All right, feel free if you have a question around what we talked about today and uh, pass it to the ushers. If you're online, you also have a question, please send it in. And God bless you as you do so. At this point, we'll bring in Pastor to join us for the discussion. Is Pastor there? Okay, he's coming. Okay, praise God. Do we have any question coming from the floor? Or do we have any comments? Do we have any comments? We talked earlier on about the, the, um, the fact that a number of times we see things from an ethnic perspective as human beings. Why is that? Why? We said, okay, yes, it shouldn't be. But why is it that by default we do it? We do it in Nigeria. And we can see also that even in the Bible they used to do it now. Anybody has a response to that? Or comments. Why is it that we see things at times from always from a pers- from an ethnic perspective, or, or we even feel comfortable at times just dealing with people from our ethnic regions, even if we don't even know them personally. But just oh, I'm Yoruba. This person too is Yoruba. I'm comfortable. Or I'm a, I'm a Bini babe, or a Bini boy. So this person too is a Bini, and just get comfortable with that. Why? Who wants to help on that? Why is that? Why is it like that? Should I call someone's name now? Eh? Nika, you want to help on that? Hallelujah. Okay. Um, firstly, I think it's a stereotypic mindset kind of thing. I think that um, society has modeled a kind of thinking that unknowingly and knowingly we have adopted one way or the other. Like for recently, I even, yesterday, someone looked at me and said, oh, you're an Igbo girl. They just look at me and think that I'm an Igbo person and then they speak the language. Even today, you could see someone saying, oh, oh, oh Kim, like she's my person. <laughs> you know, and instantly, they would, even when you go to the market, they want to sell good things to you. They, want, they believe that um, you are on their side automatically. Well, I, I just think it's a, it's a culture thing. I think that it's something that was inherited. You know, we, we grew up seeing these things. We grew up hearing Tiwan Tiwa. 
we grew up, you know, even, you know, when you hear things like if Biafra happens now, which side will you fall on? You know, and it, it even got to the point of this um, Toby Amosan, when she came on, on board, and then people said, oh, Nigerians are really, then someone came on board and said she's from Ekiti. Like, she's from, now mentioned the states. And then you know, some people are like, ah, why did you have to make it an ethnic thing mm. now, you know? So I think it's a mindset thing that, need, thing that needs to be, you know, corrected and, you know, so that we begin to see things in, in a global perspective. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, and, and it's so true. Why? Yeah, I see the hand. Send the mic to her, please. You know, it, it's so true because it's, it's, um, it, creates, it creates unnecessary what I call it, friction. When we begin to see ourselves as that one is that one, this one is this one, when we are not supposed to be, we are, we are, it's the same blood that, that flows inside all of us, but we, we, we block ourselves from enjoying the fullness of what God wants to do with us in community, in community. We're better together. And as a, not only are we better together, we are more complete in our diversity. We are more complete in what in quotes, makes us different. That's what makes us stronger. Thank you very much. Um, good evening, everyone. I think another thing I, I, I see from this whole discussion is impressions. People just feel that, okay, if you're from a particular race or particular tribe, you are like this. I remember my father told me then that, called me and said, before he passed, he said, Wait, don't marry from so, so so tribe. I said, Daddy, why? <laughs> he said, because of the experiences that he, he, he's had with them. That they are cheats, they are not straight. You know, I don't want to call any tribe. And so I think maybe because of encounters, maybe some of the experiences you've had with this particular tribe, or an impression that you've formed all up, you know, with years that you've, you know, you've interacted with them, you just protect yourself and say, these people know. By the time you're, you're, you're doing business, you say, where, where are you from? And they say, this tribe, they'll say, no, I don't want to go beyond this. Mm. So I think impression too. Experiences that they've had too. Yeah, impressions, yes. experiences that we all had yes. form, forms all those things. So, I mean, and that's, this takes me to the next thing I want to ask. I'll allow you, just give me one minute. It next, takes me to the next thing. So, wh while you make a comment on that, let's ask ourselves, so what can we do about this? What can we do to change this, to make sure that it doesn't become a norm? All right, Jadi, uh, Jadi Sola. I have a question. You have a question? Okay, like, let me use myself as an example. Okay. I didn't, I didn't allow my father's advice to, you know, to influence me. Mm -hmm. I just told God that anybody I meet, Pastor Femi does that a lot. The Holy Spirit will tell him, this is who this person is. So what I do, I allow people to come close. My interactions, I'm able to place them. Mm. The Holy Spirit will tell me, don't go beyond this. That's how I was able to relate. And, you know, it has helped me all these years. So I think with the, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and with your, when you spend time more with God, mm. when people come to you, like from my father's uh, papi's experiences with people, we should emulate that instead of just using that impression. Let the Holy Spirit guide you, tell you, this person, this is how far you can go. So, so let the Holy Spirit be yes. the filter, yes. not the filter, not the yes. not the ethnic. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. Two things. I will answer you, then I'll ask my question. All right. Great. So um, I was listening to a song today uh, by Moses. Then there was this guy that was praying in, um, it was more like rhyming that um, because of you, I know the wrong kitty kitty, I know the wrong kete kete, you know, he was singing under that song. And someone was telling me that uh, that guy used to be a cultist too. And I said, look, we have refused to look at people around us the way God sees us. God does not see the labels. He doesn't see the ethnic groups. He doesn't see where you're from. He just sees you as a child that he loves. Whether you have sinned, whether you have done this, he just sees you. So I think that's the best way. We should see people beyond where they are from, who they are, what they have even done, and try to look at them with the eyes of love that God is looking at them. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you very much. Yes. Then my much question is this. I was not so clear on why... Paul still decided to circumcise a full-grown man. After um, three thrive sessions ago, we discussed that the elders, Peter, called everybody and said they should not place unnecessary cultural restrictions on the Greek, on the Greeks, that once they have received salvation and they've professed it with their mouth, 
that that was enough. So why did Paul do that? Why did he do that? I, I, would, I thought about it also. And my only response would probably be like, maybe at that point, the people that were around him, that was their level of understanding. And he wanted to like just look, let's just do this and move on. Let's move beyond this. Because there's a bigger fish. There, there are bigger things to deal with. You know, and maybe Timothy also didn't really mind. You know, and that's my only response. Because it's clear that um, the physical demands, you know, that the, when my, I think it was my uh, Pastor Mo that was uh, leading this discourse on that day around the circumcision. While I was sitting down there, I was like cringing. I can just imagine someone taking a knife on a full-grown adult. I mean, okay, picture, see how bad it is. Uh, was it not um, the children of uh, Jacob? One of the two sons that um, there was this prince that raped their sister and uh, was now begging and said, okay, I love her. I will still marry her. And he said, okay, no problem. This is the condition for you to marry her. Let everybody in your, in your city, let everybody go and get circumcised. Everybody got circumcised. The Bible says that when they were weak from the pain of circumcision, those two people alone entered and killed all the men. That's how much pain that circumcision can inflict on a full-grown adult you, te- you technically become useless for a long period. Now, it's easy for, in today's world, it will be easy for someone to even call God wicked and say, how can you require this for me to follow you? How? Is this, and you people say, this God is a good God. I, mm, I don't agree. Very easy. And that's why God had to realize, God to say, look, look, let's forget about circumcision. Let's talk about circumcision of our hearts. Because that's actually what's most important to God. This entire physical body is not going to leave this earth. But your heart, your soul, is the one that's going to live. So let's talk about the circumcision of your heart, of your soul. That's what's critical. That's what's important. And that's what we should focus on. So likewise, when we are dealing with people, riding off that point, likewise, when we are engaging and dealing with people, we should be thinking more about this person's soul, this person's heart, when we are talking soul, we are not going to be talking Igbo soul or Hausa soul or Yoruba soul. We can talk about Igbo body, physical looks. That's why it's easy for people to mis- uh, think that you are Igbo. Meanwhile, you are not. I also get that a lot. A lot. And I, at times I play along. <laughs> you know, I get that a lot. People just assume that I'm Igbo. That's okay. If you think amiibo, then amiibo. I think it. <laughs> you know, welcome, sir. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Yes, we can hear you. Okay, good evening. Everybody. Good evening, sir. Good evening. So, the, 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 uh, you've, been, you've been with us, right? You've been hearing the discourse. I said you've been hearing the, the last question, talking about the... Um, the ethnic, why do we always see things through an ethnic lens? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes, do, yes. do you have something you want to add, on, add to that, sir? Um, okay, yes, and to the, and to the immediate um, last question. All right, great. Which is, which is um, <laughs> um, Paul circumcising Timothy. You know, are you you getting a lot of background noise from me? No, no, no. You're clear. You're very clear. I'm very clear. Okay. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. So, um, okay. So let me start with the immediate one. So Paul requiring (laughs) circumcision from Timothy. It is, it is, it is, I mean, the lady that asked the question, I mean, my mind, I was nodding that, yeah, people are really following this teaching. (laughs) <laughs> because, because it is something that um, is mind-boggling, you know, given the fact that the, the elders have 
educated that, you know, circumcision should not be required, you know? Now, several, in addition to all you've said, right, Pastor K, several levels to that. The, the first thing is this. Um, starting from what you said, which is, sometimes the bigger goal, because of the bigger goal, you do things that you are not necessarily um, compelled to do, but you do it to further the cause of the gospel. You do it for the sake of the gospel. So it says, all Paul will say in another writing that all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. So some things that are lawful, that is, is in your right to do, but when you look at the situation, it may not be expedient to do. Or some things that um, you don't have to do, but if you look at the situation, it will make sense for you to do. So um, that was uh, probably what happened in the case of um, Paul circumcising Timothy or asking Timothy to be circumcised. However, there's a limitation to that thinking. I mean, which is if you circumcise someone so that you can reach the Jew, then at what point do the Jews get delivered from their legalism to follow Christ and experience the freedom in Christ? If you don't stand in your freedom, and reach out to them. So, so that's the question. I, I mean, I probably will ask Paul when I see him in heaven. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> there's a limitation to that thinking, which again brings us to the person that Paul was. Paul is someone that was ready to lose his own salvation to save one soul, one from the Jewish community. So, he said it himself, that he's ready to lose his salvation to save one soul. So in prison, Saul would demand that Timothy get circumcised, may be um, personal love for his own people. You know, that if, even if it means we, we get castrated, let's get castrated so that these people can be saved. So the question is, 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 that, what, is that God's will? You know, I mean, would, would, would the gospel not have been preached without castrating yourself or losing your own salvation? You know, like, like, so, like Paul would say, I mean, if, if it were possible for me to lose my salvation, I said, said, said in Hebrews, some, sometime, some, somewhere in Hebrews, I will lose it so that some, or Romans, 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 some of my um, kinsmen may be saved. So that's the second thing. So, so we see a lot of Saul's, Paul's zeal passion. to save the passion, to save the Jews particularly, you know, at play. So Paul was putting an un, un, unnecessary burden on Timothy, you know, um, who was half Jew, by the way, you know, uh, he, was, he was half Jew already. So he, they were his people, you know, so to get circumcised so that it will be accepted in, um, in, in, in among the Jewish community. Then an, an, another layer to that would be, would be Timothy's submission. You know, Timothy's submission is legendary <laughs> completely. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of Isaac's submission. Mm. Isaac's submission to Abraham. Mm. Abraham said to um, Isaac, lie on the altar. Isaac said, well, we see the wood, we see the fire, we see the, the knife. Where is the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide. You lie on the altar first. I mean, mm. who is a fool? <laughs> the boy has reasoned it out already, but mm. he still obeyed. Timothy was a full-grown man. And Paul says, oh boy, you have to circumcise your weary. Hello, <laughs> 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 For us to move forward. And Timothy <laughs> submitted. Timothy submitted 
is is huge. In fact, in fact, if we begin to unpack that, you know, that is another you know teaching session. Timothy submitted to Paul's direction, even though number one, it wasn't compelled. It wasn't compelled by scripture. You can say it's not scriptural anymore. I mean, for him to be circumcised. In fact, there's a current edict from Jerusalem, from the leaders, that he doesn't have to be circumcised. But he submitted. Mm. A full-grown man put his wee-wee on a platter. Because, mm. it, because for a grown man, they put it on a platter. And they, chow, 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 you know? And they circumcise it. Mm. You know, I see that you are, you are already changing your position. You are cringing. You are cringing already. And, and they don't even use very sharp blades, though. Very rusty old things like this. <laughs> the, 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 Jewish, the Jewish rabbis have their systems, you know. You know, they have, they have their systems of circumcision, which is, you know, we can talk about that later. You know, so, so, Timothy's and this was New Covenant, you know, because sometimes when you listen to people talk about being New Covenant Christians, you know, it's as if they don't even know God at all. Timothy was a New Covenant believer that understood scripture. He was, even understood, he was in the church history, I mean, early history of the church. He saw everything. His mother, his grandmother were believers. They saw everything play out. Yet Paul made such a demand on him. And Timothy submitted. Mm. I mean, I think we should just go and wrestle with that for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. If, if, I, if I can even add to that, I, I, I may want yeah. to say that maybe what Paul was even doing by making or compelling Timothy to submit to that is to right. show it as an example of how far you have to, uh, not, not that like you have to go, but if necessary, oh. this is this is what it takes. Whatever it takes, we will give. Oh. This salvation, oh. we will spread it. Oh. So if this is the price I have to pay for you to believe that Jesus is Lord, bring the blade. Wow. I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if, uh, you know, it's deep because as you explain it, I'm just like, ah. So if there are some stubborn people, you know, that will say, uh, no, circumcision is written according to the book of Moses, chapter 25, verse 100. It must be done. It... Timothy is ready to say, is that if I do that, will you accept? The person says, try me. Okay, oh, yeah, bring it. Let's do it. Which again, the goes to what you are talking about, how far Paul also, from a passion point of view, is ready, how far is ready to go. That if it means me dying for you to listen to this word, let's go there. Awesome. Absolutely. Praise Absolutely. God. So, awesome. uh, hallelujah, Pastor K. Um, uh, just, to, just to chime in one more thing, then, then, then we are off on, the, on this matter, you know. What you said is absolutely correct. So Paul was not even asking Timothy to do something he was not willing to do himself, you know, because yeah. Paul himself, Paul himself, have said that look, I'm even willing to, if it were possible, to lay down my own salvation. You know what that is? If somebody understood what it is to be saved, it is Paul, you know, and he says that I'm willing to even lay that down. I mean, as ridiculous as it sounds, God does not even demand that. But he was not asking Timothy to do what he was not willing to do. That's one. Secondly, it would be. The, the, the concept of circumcision is something that nobody can prove that whether you are circumcised or not if you are preaching the gospel. So if you enter a community and you are preaching the gospel and say, you, I'll let all the circumcised men come here, or if you are not circumcised, if you say you are circumcised, they're not going to check. Who is going to check everybody's wee to, to mm. see who is circumcised or not? So, the, so the, 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 the concept, the issue could have been uh, Paul could have just ignored it, and uh, we are all Jews. Timothy can also say he's a Jew, and mm. everybody we assume is circumcised, you know, because nobody's going to check. Hopefully. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, 
take it away first, okay? All right, sir. Do you have questions there? Okay. There are some questions online. Thank you. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Papi. Good, Good evening, everyone. Um, we have one question from online. It says, how do you find your passion in a nine-to-five that you are not interested in and only doing it to survive the economy? How do you find your passion within a nine-to-five that you have that you are not interested in, but you are currently in there because of survival? Hmm. I would say that, um, you, know, you know that thing, we, that, uh, those three cycles that we, the pastor taught us, um, remind me again? Eh? The, 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 not the concentric circles. Uh, I'm trying to remember what that. You know, you have those circles of what you like to do, what you know, what, what you know how to do, and what you can be paid for to do. All right? How to find your oil. Yeah, how to find your oil, that's, that's the thing. So there, you, you need to discover within yourself. Now you have identified that the job you are doing, you don't like it. You are not enjoying it. While you are trying to really go deep to know why you don't like it, that one on the side, I think in your spare time, you need to stop and ask yourself, what is it that you now like to do? that people will be willing to pay for, and uh, what's the third one again now? That you know how to do. Those are the three things. If you can identify one thing that you know how to do very well, you like to do it, and, you, you, and people are willing to pay you for it, that's what you should pursue. That's what that person should pursue. You don't just do what you like to do that nobody wants to pay you for. You'll be having a hobby. That's, I think that's what it comes to be. Uh, just an hobby. If you, if you do what people are, uh, want to pay you for, but you don't know how to do it, you're about to be fired. If you, and, and I think that's probably where the, this lady is resting right now because you're doing something you don't like to do and people are paying you for it. If you stay there too long, you may be on the path of being fired. But what you need to do now is to now find those three things, what you like to do, what you know how to do, and what people are willing to pay you for. Find it out, even in the midst of where you are right now. Find it out and you will get your passion. You will eat your passion. Pastor, you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean that is correct. I mean, absolutely correct. Um, but what I probably would add is the fact that um, I encourage people to I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to say it in a simple way that, that, that folks will really understand that if you are doing a job that you are saying that you don't like and, you are, and the issue is how do I find the passion to do that job you need to realize that as a child of God, you are not on that job by accident. That's one. Secondly, you need to learn to, to do passionately the things that you think you don't like. And you are forming, you are, you are, you are developing the, the, the character that when you are thrown into the things that you are saying you like, you are that person that will go over and above. For instance, someone that has been given half measures because it's somebody else's business that is not interested in. All the person is waiting for is when I get my own, start my own business, the person is not passionate giving 1,001%. When you get your own business, the truth is you will not have that capacity to give that 1,001%. It won't be there. Look, I've seen people in their own business doing the things that they like and they're still mediocre. Why? Because that was, they were mediocre when they were working for other people. You cannot become um, a, a, uh, a giant all of a sudden, you know, because you are now doing something you like. You become a giant because you have trained yourself to become one. Hmm. So, 
That deserves a round of applause. That's deep. That's deep. That's deep. Very deep. Thank you, sir. I, um, I mean, I usually will tell people that one of the signs of maturity is the ability to do what you don't necessarily want to do or like to do, but you have to do. Signs of maturity. Doing what you have to do, even if you don't like it or you don't want to do it. Okay, do you have any other questions? Any questions from the all? No more questions? Okay, thank you very much, everybody. Over to you, sir. Um, God bless you, Pastor K, for Amen. an amazing teaching. Let's put our hands together for the Lord as um, we celebrate the man of God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so thank you, everybody, for joining us for Thrive today. Um, God bless you. Uh, and everyone joining us online, God bless you in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you. As we go, we ask that your presence will go with Amen. us. Make the crooked pieces straight before us. Amen. Break in pieces the gates of wrath. Cut in sunder the bars of iron. Amen. Give unto us the treasures of darkness. Amen. The hidden riches of secret places. Amen. And let your name be glorified. Amen. Honor and glory we give unto you. Hallelujah. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Amen. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Amen. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. And so it is and shall be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name we are prayed. Amen. Amen. So God's favorite house, who are we? We are limitless all the way. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.